Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Can you open your Bibles with me to John chapter 3 and verse 6? We're going to have two readings today. John chapter 3 and verse 6. And then I'm going to be in the book of Daniel. John 3 and verse number 6. The Bible says that humans can only reproduce human life. Humans can only reproduce human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. The Holy Spirit gives birth, starts, jump starts your spiritual life. It's all it takes for you to have a spiritual life at the beginning gives birth is your Holy Spirit. But you need to maintain that spiritual life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. We talked about this text last week, that this was a conversation between Jesus and a guy called Nicodemus. All right. And Jesus had said to him, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God unless a man be born of water and of spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Humans can only produce or reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives you a different kind of life, which is your spiritual life. And the Holy Spirit comes into you, obviously inhabits your life once you give your heart to Jesus. Jump with me to the book of Daniel chapter 1. I want to read from verse 1 to 7. I'm reading the New Living Translation this morning. State of emergency, part 2. I am struggling in my spiritual life. Daniel chapter 1 from verse 1 to 7. So the Bible says this, that during the third year of King, some king, (laughs) his reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. The Lord gave him, the Lord, the Lord, that's a different topic for another day. The Lord gave him victory over Jehoiakim, king of Judah. So God gave this guy who was an enemy victory over his own people and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. He said, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning. They are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are seated to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all of them from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed these men with Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. State of emergency. I am struggling 
in my spiritual life part two. Last week, we started this conversation and the plan was to finish it this week. But because of the feedback I've gotten, I realized that this is very relevant for this season. And so we're going to extend by one more week. So we're going to finish it up next week. I just feel like we should spend a bit more time understanding and talking about this topic, this concept of our spiritual lives and why it is an emergency when we're struggling in our spiritual life. I said last week to us that your spiritual life is your real life. All right. I said that if you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you are living, but you do not have life. Your real life, the core of you, your real life is your spiritual life. And because that's your real life, the moment your spiritual life starts to suffer, that is considered an emergency. You need to find a spiritual clinic at the speed of light and get yourself checked in. You need to, you know, raise an alarm as soon as you start to struggle in your spiritual life. And we got, went ahead to talk about some of the signs, some of the symptoms that would help you to determine um, and to diagnose if you have that condition though you're struggling in your spiritual life. I say that when you're losing your discernment, you, you, you feel like there is a loss of discernment and perception. That's a sign that you're struggling in your spiritual life when there is a return, a re-emergence of sin, sinful patterns and habits that you have conquered long ago. That is a sign that you're struggling in your spiritual life. All right. You used to lie before you had victory over the line and now you're currently lying again. You anything you had an anger issue, anything that you overcome, you know, that was a sin and you're finding that it's starting to rear its head again in your life. It's a sign that you're struggling in your spiritual life. I said to you that also if there is a re-emergence of spiritual attacks, um, oppression, oppressive tendencies of the enemy in your life, things that you have testified about, that you had victory over in the past and it's starting to show up in your life again, those are signs, symptoms that you need to give attention um, to your spiritual life. Or I also said that when you don't have an appetite for the word of God, you don't have an appetite for prayer and you're you don't have, you're not willing to serve. You don't have an appetite for service. You don't have an appetite for the things of God, broadly put. That that's a sign that you need. You need to evaluate your spiritual life. I'll go ahead and add this, that when you lose your joy, that's a sign. Okay, as well. I didn't have time to talk about that last week and I don't have time to elaborate on that today, but I just add that for your benefit. When you lose your peace, I'm not saying lose your peace as God trying to communicate something to you, but you lose your peace over an extended period of time, you lose your joy, those two things are indicators that you're struggling, you're struggling in your spiritual life. All right. And so today I want to kind of build on that and go from there. I want to reemphasize to us, though, that your spiritual life is your real life, that when your spiritual life suffers, everything else suffers. So when you go back to the book of Genesis, we always find ourselves there. All right. It's not new now. Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter two, Genesis chapter three. You realize that man was created by God. And man was formed by God. You realize that there are two parts to the, the composition of this, this being that is called mankind. All right. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Let him have dominion. And the Bible says, and God made man in his own image, male and female, created he them. All right. And God blessed them and so on and so forth. So God made man. Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27 and 28. But then when we get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, verse 8, the Bible says, then God formed the man. So the man had been existing, but he was existing as a spirit, as a spirit being. And the Bible says in Genesis 2 and verse 7 and 8 that God formed the man from the dust of the earth. So there are two parts to man. All right, There is the part that came from the earth, from the dust of the earth. 
your body there is the part that came from god your spirit all right and these two elements would return to their source when the man dies the bible says the spirit returns to god ashes to ashes dust to dust the body would decompose and become dust again all right so your spirit your body and the bible has you know the god not the bible god has given us this interfacing organ called the soul that helps us function as this spirit body or as this body spirit whichever way you want to put it all right but you realize that with adam when he broke his spiritual principle once his spiritual life suffered all of humanity it was a downward slope from that point on everything went to crap all right the earth started to degrade we saw such a graduation from a simple act of disobedience all right to an act of irresponsibility to murder in the next chapter and very quickly to polygamy and to the point where the bible says that the whole earth was filled with wickedness and that the heart the intent of the heart of man was only evil from his day to the point that God had to destroy the entire earth and start all over again with the family of Noah. You know the Bible very well. So that tells you that when the spiritual suffers, your physical life by extension will start to suffer because your spiritual life is your real life. When Adam started to suffer spiritually, when mankind started to suffer spiritually and there was such a you know such a promotion of sin and evil and wickedness in the earth. The Bible says and tells us that everything else started to degrade from that point on. And that's the same thing that happens in our lives. When our spiritual lives are not intact, when our spiritual lives start to go down, it's only a matter of time before you start to see show up in other areas of your life. And because you're a Christian, when you're a child of God, as a matter of fact, even if you're not a child of God, the Bible says this, pay attention that God has put eternity in the heart of all men. There is something in the heart of every single human being because God, because your spirit came from God. That's a part of God in you that yearns for God. You know, and most people, even if you, even those who say that they are atheists, when pressure is applied, you find that they pray because there is something in the heart of every man that yearns for a God, that yearns for a God. Now, when you become a child of God, you become a Christian, God gives you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, what he does is that he amplifies that desire for a relationship with God. He amplifies, amplifies that hunger for God. He creates in you a desire to relate with the God that you serve, who is your source and who from, from whom you now have life, all right? And, and so once that happens, and your spiritual life is suffering, what happens is that it leads to frustration. And if you've ever been in a spiritual slump before, you've been in a season of your life where your spiritual life is struggled, you will understand that it can be very frustrating. You understand that you, you want to kick yourself because you know, and I was talking to our leaders um, on Monday and someone had said that it's almost like when you have a headache and you're trying to figure out why your headache, you have a, ha you have a headache, but you realize after some time that it's because you haven't drank water, right? It, it's the same concept. And thank you, Toby. I said I was going to borrow your concept. So thank you for that. Um, I'm not plagiarizing you. I give you credit for that um, analogy. And it's the same idea, right? When you, when, you, when you work with God, is that God is pulling you into something deeper. God is trying to say, come and pray. But you don't pray. You do the things that you want to do. And you're frustrated <laughs> because you know you're not doing the right things. You're kicking yourself, but you don't understand why it is that you just cannot do what you want to do. It's a very frustrating feeling. And Paul captions this in Romans chapter 7. The Bible says in Romans 7 and verse 15 that Paul, Paul is writing in NLT, he says that 
I really don't understand myself. <laughs> That's a lovely way to start. I really don't understand myself. For I want to do what is right. I want to pray. I want to worship. All right. I want to read my Bible. I want to spend time with God. I want to do something that edifies my spirit. He says, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I find myself binge watching Netflix. I find myself um, texting that person that I know I should stay away from. I find myself engaging, engaging in things that are not particularly good for me. I find that I've spent two hours scrolling on Instagram or Facebook through other people's lives. I'm, I'm on TikTok. I'm looking for reels. I realize that the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. Leaving me in this state of frustration. And he jumps on in verse number 21 and he says, I have discovered the principle of life. This principle that when I want to do what is right, what is right? I want to spend time with God. I want to, I want to, I want to nourish my spiritual life. When I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. So I love the Lord. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me? <laughs> free me <laughs> from this life that is dominated by sin and death. So Paul's frustration is, I, can't, I, I don't understand myself because I want to do th things that edify me, but I find myself doing things that don't. Wasting time on other things that don't add value to me leads to frustration because your heart, your spirit desires God, desires that communion, that fellowship with the Lord, but you're not feeding your spirit. You're starving your spirit of nourishment leads to that conflict that you have inside of you. So Paul is saying, free me, free me. Who shall free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? So it's important then that we understand something. The reason why we struggle in our spiritual life. So that's the focus of our conversation today. Why am I struggling in my spiritual life? I would like to know. I would like to know why it's not easy for me to just pray for three hours every day. Or I would like to know why it's not easy for me to just study my Bible every single day and just be excited about it. Because spiritual life is not just about doing it mechanically. It's about enjoying it. All right. It's not just about doing it. It's about I would love to know why. Why? And so we want to get to the root cause of the issue because you cannot really address a problem if you don't understand the reason, the root cause. So I work in my secular life. I work um, in the pharmaceutical industry. And one of the things that happens, um, I work in supply chain. And so I have a, a ton of vendors that, you know, contract manufacturers that make products for me. And when a product's made, a batch is made of drugs, maybe it's a tablet or something, before it gets released, all right, before it's shipped at all, they inspect. It goes through this whole quality inspection process. They check the weight of the tablets, okay? They check the color. They check the texture. They submit it to the smell even. They, you know, put some reagents on it, some chemicals to see how it reacts to make sure that it meets specification. There is a standard specification for every single product. If it's an ointment or cream, they're looking for discoloration, they're looking for if it's a lack of homogeneity, anything like that. And when it's been tested and it's been proven that it's fit for market, it's given a certificate of compliance and it's shipped. It can go to market. Now, whenever there is something wrong, let's assume that the color is off. It's supposed to be a white cream. For some reason, it's yellowish white or it's off white, whatever it is. 
what happens is that we call that a non-conformance. And for you to deal with a non-conformance, what you need to do is open what is called a kappa, corrective action and preventive action, all right? And what you, know, you need to do before you can correct a problem like that is you have to get to the root cause of the problem, not the cause, the root cause of the problem. That's the only time that your solution can be a lasting solution. And so we want to get to the root cause of the issues. So let me give you an example. We're talking about states of emergency. I'm struggling in my spiritual life. If someone shows up to the emergency room and his brain is leaking out, um, sorry, I have to get my dose of violence this week. His brain is, <laughs> I just spoke in parables, but if you know, you know. His brain is leaking out, shows up in the ER, and you're trying to understand what's the cause of this situation. It's an emergency, but what caused the situation? And you ask the guy, what happened? And he says, well, someone hit me over the head with a bat. Now, that's not the root cause. That's the cause. So you need to go back a couple layers and understand why did someone hit you over the head with a bat? And he says, well, you know, I was in a particular neighborhood and someone tried to rob me and I tried to resist the robbery and then I was hit over the head with a bat. Now, the root cause is not that you were hit over the head with a bat, even though that's what caused your head to start bleeding, okay? Caused you to have that blunt force trauma. It is the fact that you found yourself in the wrong neighborhood. So you need to dig back and dig back and peel back the layers of the onion until you get to the root cause. And so the, we, we wanna get to the root cause of why people struggle, why you and I struggle in our spiritual life today. Not the cause, because when I ask you, why are you struggling in your spiritual life? You say, well, I'm really busy. I'm, I've really been working overtime. I'm working 70 hours a week, so I don't have time to pray. That's not the root cause, that's a cause, all right? Um, my girlfriend you know, has stopped replying my text messages. Yesterday, I told her that I love her and she didn't, she didn't say it back. I'm depressed, I can't pray. That's not the root cause, that's a cause. We need to peel back the layers and get to the root cause of why we struggle in our spiritual life. So let's be in Daniel for a second. And I need you to understand this. I need you to give me your rapt attention. I need you to lean into this because this is important. The Bible tells us that the king of Babylon, a guy called Nebuchadnezzar, conquers Judah. By the way, he had conquered the world. He was considered a king of kings because he was the ruler of the whole world. And he conquered Judah as well. And not only did he conquer Judah, he took away, all right, he took away the nobles of the land. He burnt down and destroyed the temple of Solomon, the beautiful temple that Solomon had built. He took away the articles of silver and of gold that were in the temple, took away the things of value, the things, sacred items that were in the temple of God, and he took it to the house of his gods in Babylon. He left people in the land, and he took the nobles out of the land to Babylon. Pay attention. Now, what Nebuchadnezzar would do as a world conqueror, because the, the Nebuchadnezzar's and the Babylonian system was different from the Roman system. When Rome conquers the world, they leave you where you are, and they just try to pump you full of their ideology. Babylon will take you out of your land and bring you into Babylon, plant you in Babylon, and then start to pump you full of ideology. And then they would send ambassadors, they would send representatives from Babylon to your homeland to go ahead and colonize that territory as well. It's simple. It was colonization. And the objective of all this is this. It was to deculturalize you. 
to strip you of your culture, to strip you of your ways, strip you of your language, strip you of your way of living, and to pump you, to infuse you, and to inject into you a Babylonian way of thinking. And they did the same thing in Babylon. So they brought your nobles into the land because eventually the entire nation will follow what the nobles do. If the nobles were converted, if the nobles had been influenced, then the entire country will be influenced. And so they brought the nobles into the land of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar gives instructions. He says, find amongst them those ones who are good looking, who are, you know, perfect, who are handsome, who are smart, who are gifted in science, who are gifted in engineering, who are gifted in technology, gifted in any area of gifting. Find those specific. So pick the best of the best. And don't forget, he had conquered many nations. So he had brought, he had a catalog of people from different countries. He would pick the best brains and start to subject them to this rigorous system of um, integration. For three years, they would feed them with the king's food. They would teach them the language and the literature and the history of Babylon. They would teach them everything about Babylon so that they could serve in the king's palace. They would basically brainwash them so that they could be fit for service to Nebuchadnezzar. Not only that, they would go as far as to give them Babylonian names. So Daniel was given a Babylonian name, Belshazzar. Daniel, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those were their Babylonian names. They had Jewish names, all right? Mishael, Hazariah. They were stripped of everything and given Babylonian names. The agenda of Babylon is to train you to become Babylonian. So stay with me. We're talking about the root cause. So what happens is that Daniel and his friends, the three Hebrew boys, as we like to call them, find themselves living as Jews in Babylon. And that's exactly the situation of every Christian today, because we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Pay attention. You and I live in the world, but we are not of the world. They were in Babylon, but they were not of Babylon. They tried to resist the Babylonian way. And that's why they would go ahead to say that we do not want a portion of the king's meat. We, we, it, it's, a, it, it's forbidden by our God that we should eat certain things. We cannot defile ourselves with a portion of the king's meat. Babylon's intention is to deculturalize you. It's to strip you of your culture, your identity, and to give, not just to strip you, but to give you a new way of thinking a new language, a new way of operating, to give you, you know, to immerse you in the ways of Babylon. That's the strategy of, of, of Nebuchadnezzar. And he was overt about this, all right? He, he had men dedicated to this task for three full years. They would spend time brainwashing you and preparing you for service in the king's court. So the reason, though, the challenge that we have is where we live we live in the world. We are in the world, but not of the world. So there is a conflict of two worlds. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. He was in Babylon, but he was not of Babylon. One of the reasons, some people say, so pastor, I just can't pray. I'm struggling in my prayer life. The reason why you're struggling in prayer life, root cause, you live in the world. If you found yourself in heaven, you would worship and pray 24. Well, there's no time in heaven because heaven is in the realm of eternity. But Every single minute of every single day, of every single hour, you would worship and pray. You would never get tired of worshiping and praying. Why? You, you are now somewhere else. Your location severely affects you. And where we are located is in the world. 
And the world of Babylon is a metaphor for the world, for the world systems in the Bible. We are in Babylon. We are living in the world, but we are not of the world. And this is the root cause because Babylon has a way. Babylon has an agenda. Its agenda is to strip you of everything spiritual and make you completely carnal. It's to strip you of your relationship with God and make you completely you know, earthly in your thinking, to make you carnally minded as much as possible. Babylon has an agenda. Where we are located is the problem. If you ever saw God, and everyone who's ever had an encounter with the Lord that I, that I know, the moment you get into that realm, the first thing you do is you fall down flat because you want to worship. It's almost a reflex action. But when we say lift up holy hands in church, it's like we have to whine ourselves. Why? We live in the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And that conflict is the root cause of why we struggle in our spiritual lives. It's the root cause of why we have a challenge, a challenge being consistent in our spiritual lives. Understand also this and pay attention to this, that the God we serve, the God that you and I serve, he wants you to serve him from a place of love. So because it's a place of love, you must choose to serve the Lord. He will not impose himself on you. Your, your desire must be for him. So all that God will do, he's already done. Number one, he sent his son to die for us, for every single one of us. Number two, he gave us the Holy Spirit. From that point on, it is your responsibility, fully your responsibility to, to, to draw close to God. It's your responsibility to embrace, to embrace him, okay, to, 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 to develop a relationship with him. Stay with me. In contrast, though, the enemy, the very real, very potent, very active king of Babylon that we have is ready to impose on you his will. Ha. So here you are, you're, you're, you're in the middle. On the one side is God, who's put a desire in your heart, okay, for him. But he's not going to pull you. He's not going to force himself. He's not going to come and give you slaps at night and say, stand up and pray now. Or I'm going to take away your sleep. God is not going to do that. You're going to want to have to pray. You're going to have to want to do the thing. You're going to have to want to study your Bible. You're going to have to want to spend time with him. He's not going to force you. He's not going to come and imprint the Bible on your heart and say, this is the word of God. I put it into your heart. No, you would have to do that. But the enemy, the king of Babylon, is completely different. He is completely okay with you serving him grudgingly. And so the king of Babylon would impose on you his way. And that's what the world does. It imposes on you the ways of the world. It imposes on you the methods of the world. It imposes on you, you know, how he wants you to live. So on the one hand, you have God who is saying, come after me and I'll make myself available to you. But on the, one, on the other hand, you have an enemy who is pulling you into a world system, who is trying to drown you in a system that is different from the system of God. And that is why spiritual growth would never happen by accident. That's why consistency in your spiritual life would never happen by accident. It can only happen by deliberate intentional effort because there is something pulling you on the other side, pulling you into a world system that is contrary to the system of the Lord. I say that again, spiritual growth and consistency in your spiritual life can never happen by accident. You will never stumble into a consistent spiritual life. It has to be a deliberate thing. It has to be intentional 
because the king of Babylon is trying to get you immersed in the ways of Babylon. So the root cause is the king of Babylon and the ways of Babylon. Simple. The king of Babylon and the ways of Babylon. And the Bible says that the devil, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, that the God of this world, okay, is the devil. That's what the Bible says. He's the ruler of this system. He's the, he's the God of, he's created this system and he immerses you in the system. So you're here saying, oh, I can't pray because um, I'm busy with work. No, no, no. You're, that's not the reason why you can't pray. The reason why you can't pray is because of the God of this world, because of the king of Babylon and because of the way of Babylon. That's the root cause. Everything else is just a cause, but not the root cause. We are in the world. Okay. But we are not of the world. We are in the world and we are supposed to function like we're not in the world. And that raises a fundamental conflict why every single Christian has to be deliberate, has to put in the work to get their spiritual life going and thriving. The God we serve gives you a choice. The enemy has no problem forcing you to do his bidding. And that's why Nebuchadnezzar would say to them, change their names, not my problem. Give them my food. As a matter of fact, when the chief of staff Asphanaz says to them, when Daniel and his friends request not to eat the king's meat, the chief of staff is scared because he knows that Nebuchadnezzar is going to probably kill him because it's not, he's not asking you your preference. He's not saying, do you want to serve me? Do you want to follow me? Do you want to follow my way or not? No, he's saying you will follow my way. And if you read further down in the book of Daniel, you get to Daniel chapter three, this Nebuchadnezzar builds a golden image and he asks every single person in the land to bow down and worship the image. Let's read Daniel chapter 3 for a second. The Bible says, Daniel 3, let's read from verse 5 to verse 7, in New Living Translation. I can't start from the beginning because of time. Daniel chapter 3, from verse 5 to verse 7. The Bible says that, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. Bow to the ground. Once you hear the musical instruments, bow to the ground. Goes further to say this. I mean, if it stopped there, yeah, you would have said, okay, fine. Well, he's not really threatening, but he goes further to say this. He says that anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, pay attention, whatever their race, including Jews, the people of God, or their nation, or their language, they bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Do you see that? No choice. That's the world system. It puts you in this, <laughs> in this system that confines you, that forces you to conform. Whereas God says, you want me? Come after me. The devil says, I want you. I'm coming after you. You do what I want you to do. Do you know that even the demons are unwilling servants of the devil? The devil has no problem forcing you to do his will. None at all. But God will not force you to do his will. You must be willing. And that's why you must develop a, a strategy. You must develop a way. You must develop methods and, you know, and tools that help you to remain consistent in your spiritual life. Otherwise, the natural tendency is that your spiritual life will degrade because you will be deculturalized, all right, and you would be initiated into the Babylonian system because there is a very active king of Babylon. There's a very, very potent 
way. The culture of Babylon is strong. It's potent. They were given to astrology and sorcery and magic. I mean, all kinds of dark things were happening and idol worship, all kinds of dark things were happening in Babylon. And so if you don't stand firm, if you don't take a position like Daniel and his friends did, you will very quickly find it because there were a lot of other Jews. Don't forget this. That were taken from Judah. The Bible singles out these three guys, these three and one, four of them, to talk about because they set themselves apart. They refused to defile themselves with a portion of the king's meat. They refused to bow down to the golden image. Further down in the book of Daniel, when you know they say no one should pray to any other god apart from the king, the Bible says Daniel opened his windows and prayed three times a day towards Jerusalem, understanding that my spiritual life is more important. You threatened to kill me. But I know for a fact that I will die spiritually if I do not pray. So I'll take my chances. So I wonder then, why is it that we are quick to negotiate away our spirituality? Why is it that we are quick to drop our spiritual life and pick up the Babylonian system? We're chasing money. We're chasing all kinds of other things. I'm not saying that it's not, you know, you don't need money. I'm not saying that you don't need to advance in your career. But a lot of times what happens is that because Babylon is designed to strip you of your primary culture, it's coming at the expense of something else. So you must understand, you must develop a mechanism for living in the world and thriving in the world, even though you are not of the world, even though that you are not of the world. And so you must leave from the inside out. I said that last week and I want to remind you, for that to happen, Pay attention to this. You have to live from the inside out. You are in Babylon. Because you're in Babylon and you're, you're a Christian, you're in the world, you're, you're not of the world, you cannot use the methods of the world. You belong to, you belong to a different kingdom. You are, you're a child of God. You cannot embrace the way of the world. And because you can't embrace the way of the world, you therefore have to Fully immerse yourself in the ways of God. Otherwise, you would be a mediocre. The, 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 look, the formula for mediocrity, especially amongst Christians, is when they don't embrace the way of the world and they don't fully embrace God. And that's why you find that the majority of Christians are mediocre because they're not all in with God and they're not all in with the world. If you want to thrive in the world, then use the world system. But the world system is counter. It's opposed to God. And because you can't do that and you still need to thrive in the world, you must bury yourself, immerse yourself. You must plant, root yourself in the spiritual dimension with God so that you can thrive in the world. And so the Bible says that you are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. Your light comes from your relationship with God. And the Bible says this is a dark world. Gross darkness has covered the earth. Gross darkness covers the people. So for you to shine in Babylon, for you to stand out in this world, you must have been immersed in the spiritual dimension with your God. And that's what happened in the life of Daniel. Daniel stood out every time. In every season, with every king, he was at the forefront. He was needed. He could never be despised because he operated a spiritual principle from his spiritual life. He never sacrificed his spiritual life. And even though he did not do that and he was in Babylon, Babylon realized very quickly that they needed him. I'm saying that to you so that you understand that as a child of God, you must build your life on spiritual things. 
let me let me let me make it clear um, what I'm trying to say. Give you an example. As you work through, maybe you're in your career or in your I don't know academics or something. Let God help you. I'm not saying you should not study and go pray. That that's that's absolutely not what I'm saying. Okay, so don't don't go camp with God and not pick up your textbook and read or do anything. You do reading, but understand that in your spiritual life, from that place flows every other aspect of your life. And God is interested in leading you and telling you, read this area and giving you understanding. And so when you've prayed and then you study, you understand better. It's the same thing with your career. For example, when you when you work in the corporate world in, um, in Canada, let's use Canada as an example. Let me just break it to you, for those of you who are not aware, that the reason why you, why you thrive in the workplace, the reason why you advance in your profession, why you stand out, okay, and you fast track is because number one, you're liked, and number two, you have a sponsor or a network. I know people are like, well, what about competence? Competence is fantastic. You should absolutely be competent, but you can be competent and work for someone that is not in com- that is not competent at all. You might be competent and the people who are less competent than you in the company rise faster than you because they are more liked than you, all right? And because they have a sponsor or they have a stronger network than you in the company. That's just the way it works. So this is the way of the world. Now, how do people like you? For example, if you're in the workplace in Canada, one of the ways they like you is you go to happy hours together. You drink. Well, guess what? I don't drink. Um, I don't have anything against people that drink, by the way, but I don't drink. The Bible says wine is not fit for kings. So I don't drink. So I can't go to happy hour. And if I go to happy hour with you, the best I can do is have a root beer. Uh, Sundays, they go golfing and they go to the cottage and go hang out and go fishing. Now, on Sundays, I'm in church, so I can't do that. So therefore, that tells me that I cannot work the world system the way that they work it. If I want to thrive in my place of work, if I want to thrive, I need to be immersed in spiritual things. Because what that does is that it makes you irreplaceable. It makes you desired like they did with Daniel. They couldn't agree with him. They didn't like him. As a matter of fact, one of the things that happens is that when the enemy knows that you're a child of God and you're working the ways of God and you're working the system of God, he would set up position against you like he did against Daniel and against the three Hebrew boys. He would, he would, he would try to sabotage, all right? You try to engage in subterfuge to make sure that you succumb to the world system. So you'd be surprised where a boss in the office who really likes you all of a sudden doesn't like you anymore. Not because your boss is a witch or a wizard, but because... The enemy has planted a seed in the heart of that person. So you must operate from a place of spirituality all the time. I say it all the time and I'm not, this is my reality. I firmly believe that I work with spirits personally. Some of you are like, what does that mean? Do you have meetings with spirits in the office? No, that's not what I mean. But I know that the work that I do, and the results I get at work are not based on my efforts, that there are spiritual forces, uh, angelic beings that back up what I do. I know it. I mean, I'm humble enough to agree that I'm not that smart. And I've seen that consistently. I mean, and and I, I know what it means to work without that and what it means to work with it. I remember even just this week, just this week that just happened on, on, on Monday uh, at work, there was, you know, some emails flying about, you know, a particular situation had come about and we were going to lose $25,000. Not, not a lot of money for our company, but it is a lot of money still. $25,000 was being lost on a particular transaction and everyone had already agreed that it's fine. We just have to pay the money. Um, you know, the commercial leadership, you know, had already said approved. 
we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna pay that expense. And somebody sent an email. This was interesting, and said, um, "Why don't we let Deji take a look at this and see if he can help us with this problem?" Now, the reason why that guy sent that email was because he had observed over a period of time that this guy has been solving some impossible problems. Like I said, it has nothing to do with me. It's the spirits that work with me. There are several instances where a problem has been plaguing the company. It's, it's, it's a major problem. Everyone is despair. And I come in and I, and the Holy Spirit says, do this and do this and do this and do this. And I do it and it's, it's so easy because spirits are working and everyone is like, whoa. So this guy sent an email saying, uh, let Deji take a look at this because clearly he had seen a track record of solving impossible problems that everybody had known that you know, can never be solved. And what was interesting was that the commercial head, the, the senior, senior guy in the company responded to the email saying, oh, we know that Deji is amazing, but I mean, we cannot expect Deji to work miracles. And as soon as I saw that email, the Holy Spirit said to me, go fix that problem. Because guess what? I'm not just, I don't just work miracles. I don't just pray for the sick to be healed. I don't just pray for headaches to go and cast out devils. Even in the place of work, you're going to be a miracle worker. Because the spirit that is inside of you is the spirit of God. And it's designed to shame the spirits of Babylon. It's designed, and the moment I took on, I said, you know what? Let me look into it. Sent out an email with big, big grammar, you know, big words and all that. I knew in my heart, the moment I fired all that email, that this problem was solved. I knew that it would be resolved. And there, there is, I had no doubt in my heart. Why? There are spirits that are working with me. So when, when you live in the world and you're not of the world, you must fully immerse yourself with God so that you can be like Daniel. Because when Nebuchadnezzar had a problem and he had a dream and no one understood the dream that he had, he didn't, he didn't even tell people the dream that he had. Daniel said, let me go and consult with my God. My God is a revealer of secret things. And he did. And God showed him. God revealed to him the dream that, that the king had had. Gave him the interpretation. And Nebuchadnezzar was stunned. This is a man. Pay. A, this is a guy that had collected wise men, experts at interpreting dreams, sorcerers, magicians, astrologers from every single nation of the world. Every and not a single person could solve the problem. But a young boy, a young dude, a young lad who had a thriving relationship with God was able to attack the problem and solve it. Your spiritual life is going to be the source of your excellence. Your spiritual life is going to be the source of your prosperity. Your spirit, if you're a Christian, like I said, if you're not a Christian, engage the world system. That's fine. That will probably work for you as well. But if you're a Christian and you're going to be in the world, but not of the world, Bible actually says this. Jesus says that the world would hate you because it hated me first. The world would persecute you. You're at work, you're a Christian, you don't know why people just don't like you. You need to understand that there are spirits that understand that you're a Christian and try to make your life difficult. I'm not being superstitious. This is the reality. This is what happened in the life of Daniel. They set him up. They tried to get him killed because they knew that he was operating by a different system than they were. Your spiritual life is your real life. You must, must live from the inside out, not from the outside in. If you do live from the outside in, you will live from Babylon in, and that would change your orientation. You must live from the fullness, from your connection with God. You must live from the inside out. The reason why 
you're struggling in your spiritual life is because of where you live. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. It's because of the king of Babylon. It's because of the way of Babylon. And it's because of the ignorance of Christians. In understanding the value of their spiritual life. Okay? If you knew, if you knew what Daniel knew, because this guy was ready to die, physically die, to protect his spiritual life. If you knew what Daniel knew, that my spiritual life would drive my relevance on the earth, that every problem I have will be solved on the platform of a consistent walk with the Lord. Every problem, every single problem that you have, anything that you can classify as a problem, would receive solution on the platform of your relationship with God. If you know that, if we're not ignorant of that, we would pay more attention to our spiritual lives and understanding that there is a very deliberate, mechanical, systematic, methodical attempt by the enemy to deculturalize you and to in you know to imbibe in you a culture that is a culture of this world and so the average christian cannot be told apart from an average person in the world we speak the same way we think the same way we act the same way we behave we have the same expectations because we have become of babylon my encouragement to you today is that you should live in the world but you should not be of the world and you must of necessity of necessity live from the inside out your relevance your relevance in the world would come from a place of spirituality human beings can only reproduce human life but the holy spirit gives birth to spiritual life to spiritual life wherever you are bow your heads with me today for two seconds thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel if you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.